Welcome to the Success Inspired Podcast, a business and personal development podcast to help you accomplish more in life and realize your true potential. And now here is your host, Vit Muller. Hello, everybody. Vit here from Success Inspired Podcast. My guest today is a leadership educator, coach, and author of multiple books. He's a founder and principal of Influence Coaching, who helps leaders develop needed relational and conceptual skills so they can succeed both at work and at home. Please welcome to the show, Stanley Ward. Hey, everybody. Thank you, Vic, for hosting me. I appreciate the opportunity. Thank you, Stan. Great to have you on the show. So I'm at 8 a.m. at Canberra time. Where are you calling from? Yeah, I'm in uh, East Texas. So as I look at my watch, it's just a little after 3 p.m. here in the United States of America. 3 p.m. Friday. Awesome. How's your week been like? Been productive? It's been really good. Actually, it's been great. Among other things, I, I bought a car this week. So that was fun. That was nice. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I actually, speaking of success, so I, I traded down to free up some cash, got an economy car now because I'm about to send my second child to college. Yeah. So, you know, success <laughs> you looks different do? at different stages in life, right? That's absolutely, absolutely. Got to do what you got to do. What did you get? Yeah, actually, I've got a, it's a Kia Soul. And it's this really fun green color. I'm calling it the green machine. Got some crossbars on top. I like to mountain bike. So I got the, the oh, I forgot what they call it. But basically all weather mats all throughout and stuff like that. Because I'm kind of at that phase of life now where a good Saturday is go mountain biking, do the recycling, come back, have that second, third, or fourth cup of coffee. Yeah, I love it. Take a nap. Mountain biking, great, you know, and if you can do something great for the world, do a bit of recycling, it makes you feel good. I think that's great. Yeah, but the point is I don't need a lot of car for that, so. Yeah. Now, let's let's talk about what you do, Stanley. So you're a leadership expert, should we call it? Leadership expert? I like that. Let's do that. Yeah. Now, what compelled you to become a a leadership leadership expert? Yeah, well, I realized – probably when I was in high school, in fact, I think I can almost spot the time, I was about 16, that I had the ability to influence people. And that was like a surprise to me. And so from that point on, I began to develop those skills of influence intentionally. At first, leadership was all about kind of rah, rah, rah in high school and student government and that kind of thing, and just being likable, popular. In college, though, I realized there was a lot more to it And then by the time I was in my early 20s, I was running a camp and conference center as a director there and was having to make hard decisions about hiring, firing, a lot of health and safety issues, things like that. And so the the leadership definition that I had as a 16-year-old wasn't sufficient for the real leadership work I was having to do as a 20-something. I went through a various uh, sets of career and career interests originally trained actually for ministry just because I really enjoy helping people by the time I got into that and did that for a while I realized well I really like the education side of that so I did some more training and was an educator and administrator for years and while doing that I thought gosh if I really want to make the most out of being an educator I need to get a PhD and found a PhD program in leadership studies and I thought aha this and this they come together that let's six, do it. yeah nice that's so that's awesome. part of the backstory yeah, and no, I love it. And so what does leadership mean to you? Oh, wow. I'm so glad you asked. So I, and I just put a, a blog post on this. So I'd love to put in your show notes. So have you seen The Princess Bride? 
you mentioned that you've you, you've just had a child. You may not have seen it, but there's a American movie in the '80s, The Princess Bride. No, I'm not aware of no. Oh yeah, yeah, you're missing out on some great pop culture. So there's a scene in there where there's this guy named Inigo Montoya. He's got this great accent, and he's a Spaniard swords master. And basically, it's there is a sort of a leader of this gang that Inigo's in, and he keeps using this word, inconceivable, inconceivable, inconceivable. And Inigo says, I do not think that word means what you think it means. <laughs> and I think leadership's one of those words where it does not necessarily mean what we think it means. What I often see is this idea of leadership is about personal excellence. But I'm convinced that leadership, and this comes out in one of the, the books I helped edit, leadership is a process, and it involves a leader, a set of followers, working toward a mutual goal, and all that occurs in a particular physical context, and all that occurs in a cultural context. Mm-hmm. And so one of the challenges of leadership is keeping all those pieces in mind as we make decisions. Right, right. Now here's here's what I think about leadership and and it's it's pretty much going over what you said. What I think and because I come from a fitness stand fitness background. So for me, you know, I used to run lots of boot camps, you know, boot camp workouts in the park. But to me, a leader is somebody that leads people, leads by example, but leads them, keeps them accountable, keeps themselves accountable for the mo- most part because they have to lead by example and through the through the virtue of being a leader, through through the virtue of like leading by example, they motivate others to be better for themselves. You say that? Yeah, about I, it as I well? hear that in, that influence piece in there. So that my simplest definition for leadership is intentional influence. And so a lot of folks struggle maybe because they're not intentional. It's real haphazard. You know, I hear you talking about really modeling the way, being a role model. Okay, that's intentional. You're you're making choices deliberately in order to have a certain outcome. So there's the intentional piece. And then the influence piece is that there are other people being impacted by the decisions that you're making, right? And so we, when we combine intention and influence, we have intentional influence, and that's my simplest definition of leadership. Yeah, absolutely. I think one thing we definitely agree, leadership is not about one individual's success for themselves. It's the impact that they make on the others and how they can help others and lead others to be better as well as a group and, and, and meeting that, that halfway point. Yeah. How do you get people it. from point A to point B? Yeah, that's it. And there's, there are ways of doing it that may be manipulative. And I, I don't want to call that leadership. I, I tend to see leadership in more of a positive light. Yeah. Cause getting, getting somebody from point A to point B, I mean, we've got coaches for that as well. Right. So, I mean, how, how would you differentiate coach and the leaders since we talk about coaching? Oh, yeah, it's so good. Well, okay, as a coach, you know, the coach doesn't play the game for you. There's a similarity there that, right, sometimes the leader is on the sidelines. I do think, and I've heard this phrase, that leadership is better served when it's about pull rather than push. So in other words, rather than being behind folks and kind of goading them into motion, pushing them forward on something. That's like dictatorship. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. If you're able to, again, you talked about being a role model. If you're able to, to model the way, as Kuzin Posner say, and be out front and say, hey, come along with me, come along with me, come along with me. Now, the trick is if you get too far out front, they may mistake you for the enemy and shoot you in the back. So you have to monitor the gap. Yeah. So bringing it back to my fitness setting, 
I used to do this workout with the, you know, those 15 meter, you know, those sisal ropes those for those battling ropes. This is how to use it for these team building uh, activities. You know, I would usually have about 15 people. And so what we do is we would, we would put the rope on the, on the, on the grass, on the ground, make, you know, put it at a full length. I would stand at the front of the rope and I would get everybody to stand that one side of the rope about a meter apart. <clears throat> and what I would tell them is everybody to kneel down grab the rope with their right hand, put it on the shoulder, and then we would all stand up at the same time. But I would be at the front. And so then we would go and run. And, you know, as we run, I would I would call the shots. It would be like, okay, arms up. So like holding your arm up. And, you know, after a while, it kind of gets heavy. Or arm down, swap arms or sprint. And they have to follow me. So I guess that's a good, a good visual example of leadership. Like you say, you're pulling people, you're not pushing people. What I also like about that is you were helping to carry the weight. Mm. And so, and maybe that's a, maybe that's part of the difference between leadership and the, we were talking about a coach on the sidelines. I mean, yeah, certainly there's a lot of pressure on that coach for the outcomes of the team, but again, he's not necessarily out there on the field with them. And so I hear you, you're leading, you're modeling the way you're out front and you're holding the darn rope. <laughs> yeah. so you're, you're helping them lift this heavy thing. Whereas coach might be somebody who's on the sidelines and talking to that group. And there is somebody there who wants to lead and, but he's not sure how. And so the coach would then just ask them questions like, well, so what do you think that you need to do to get this rope and this group from A to B? Yeah. Right. Yeah. And the, the, in a lot of ways, although a coach is a kind of leader, I would say that player out there on the field that's motivating people while they're on the field, you know, in America, we have soccer, right? It's, everybody else calls it football, but thinking of that soccer captain or football captain who's gathering everybody around and saying, all right, here's how we're going to do this. Let's go. That's pretty cool leadership. Yeah, absolutely. And I agree with you. Leader, leader definitely has, has to have attributes of a coach as well, because if you're a manager, if you're, let's say, bring it to business world, if you're an executive, if you're, if you're owner or an operator, manager, all those top roles, you've got responsibility for the business, responsibility for, for everybody in, involved, for the customers. And so you've got people to lead, but it also you've got people coming to work for you at different stages of experience as well. So sometimes you need to also coach them. To, to, to get them to, to reflect on themselves and, and get them to come, come up with the solution. Otherwise, you're just, you're just dictating what they need to do, and that doesn't work for anybody, does it? Yeah, and I hear that is the, as you're talking there, that's making me think about this idea of conceptual skills and relational skills versus just technical skills, mm. uh, right? So, yeah, part of leadership or management may be simply showing someone how to do the work, how to just get stuff done. And, yeah, that's a tech, there's a technical skill there that we're teaching or transferring. And a lot of folks think, okay, if I'm just good at the technical stuff, then I'm a leader. But leadership also includes those human interactions, the relationships, and how we're able to process what's going on, be strategic, be future-oriented, create a vision to be able to see things that others may not be able to see. All those are conceptual skills that go with leadership. 100%. And you need to have those too. Exactly. And this show is all about inspiring success. So how would, why would somebody who's listening right now, perhaps they're not in a leadership position, why would this be important to them? What would you say to them? 
Yeah. So again, if leadership is intentional influence, it's not about your title. It's about how you show up in the world. It's not about your ego. It's definitely not about your ego. Yeah. And a person could be a vice president in an organization and not be the leader because they're checked out or because they, they work with folks. They're not helping to carry that rope like you were talking about earlier, right? It may be that there's a line manager or even a, a salesperson who's really working to build relationships across the organization, who's really working to communicate to make sure people are all on the same page. That person is doing leadership. And those skills in a healthy organization are well rewarded. It's in, your, it's in everyone's best interest. And even if you're listening to this, guys, if you're not running a business, if you don't have a team, and you think, well, this doesn't really relate to me. I'm kind of a solo, you know, I run my own business. You know, maybe it's a tradie, I don't know, and just works on their own every day. But uh, guess what? I think you still need to be, you still need to be aware of this and you still need to think of yourself as a leader because we make influence on people every day, right? And yeah, just think about how, if you, maybe you only have three close friends. Well, there's still opportunities for influence there. And to be intentional about how you do it. Yeah, that's it. So it could be could be friends, uh, or maybe you've got a you've got a young family, you've got family, you've got, or if you haven't got your own family, you still might have siblings, your brothers. Maybe you have younger brother, younger sister. Oh uh, well, you know, if you want them to be be better, you got to lead them too. So yeah, I think I think this topic that we're going to talk about today, it's I think it's great for everybody and just fits this show quite well. I think. So back to you, back to your journey. So you sort of uncovered how you got into it through, you know, the background in education and, and then you sort of went into study PhD in leadership. Correct. How long ago was that? Yeah. So I finished that program in 2013. I started in 2007. Mm -hmm. Nice. So it's been a while. And it was actually toward the end of my program of the studies, at least the formal courses in 2011, that I was speaking with another person in my cohort who was taking these classes with me. She was early vice president in the aerospace industry, great leader. And she said, you know, Stan, I am now, she was, she's one of these personalities who at age 60 thinks, you know, I should go get a PhD because I need a challenge, right? So she's really motivated. Mm -hmm. And uh, she was doing coaching at the time. And she said, Stan, I think you'd make a good coach. And so starting about 2011 is when I started looking at coaching as a way to, to educate and inspire and help people succeed in life rather than maybe some of the other paths I was thinking about before. What were some of the paths we were thinking about before? Yeah, well, you know, I think when you go into academia and you do that PhD work, the assumption is you're on some sort of professor track or college administrator track. Mm -hmm. And so in my mind, I thought, okay, that's probably where I'm going to land after I'm done with all this. So it was fun to be able to see this other expression of the ability to apply the PhD in leadership studies, as well as use these helping skills and listening skills that I'm kind of naturally attuned to and bring those together. Mm-hmm. And fast forward, how's your business going now? You're running your business now or are you still, are you still, I mean, are you still working for somebody or what's yeah, the situation? And so at the end of 2019, I resigned from my full-time academic job so that I could do coaching full-time. 
-hmm. And of course the timing was great. January, 2020, let's just take off. And then in February, March, all of a sudden I started going, Oh my gosh, what have I done? Right. COVID shows up. Businesses are shutting down. (laughs) You must've just seen that safety net just dissipating. Exactly. Oh yeah. Looking at the emergency fund in the bank and just going, how long is this going to hold, hold us together? Exactly. So, so what, what was your, what was your strategy to go overcome all this uh, happening in, in 2020? Crazy year. Yeah, it has been. And so I, because I'm a coach and believe in, in helping professions. Yeah. I surrounded myself with helpers, right? I knew that I had some real challenges in front of me. So I hired a coach to help mentor me as I have a full-time coaching business and working as an entrepreneur. I'd been doing this on the side since 2011, but you know, a side gig's all different than when it's your main hustle, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, and so developing some of those entrepreneurship skills, developing that mindset, again, making sure that I'm in a healthy space. I also hired a, I worked with a therapist for a while. If you're familiar with Tess Vigilant's book, Leap, she's got this great book about what happens when you, you leave the job you love without a plan, plan B. And it kind of felt like, especially once COVID hit, I thought, oh my gosh, I don't think I've got a plan B. I don't, I don't know what I'm going to do here. And she talks about just the psychological obstacles that you've got to push through and you've got to be able to overcome. And so I helped worked with someone for a while to help me ne- negotiate those to make sure I was clear on what those were, how to respond to them, make sure, again, my head talk is right. So, this is interesting stuff because when you put yourself in a situation like that, that's a survival mode. In a way. Exactly. It's fight or flight. And what's ironic about all that is I was just publishing a book on how to beat burnout. And that book is all about what being in constant fight or flight does to us. And I think that was also part of this too. I realized, oh gosh, I'm now moving into the space that I was writing about. So I've got to be really intentional about not only building a business, pushing through COVID because I'm the the main source of income for my family and Mm -hmm making sure that I do this in a way that I'm still able to show up for my family, making sure I'm fully present for my clients and that that pressure doesn't cause me to burn out. When we talk about leaders, talking about leading by example, you know, we talk, there's, there's many attributes that we could list as a you know, characteristics, what it means, you know, integrity, you know, being always timely, being always organized, being, being always good, being like this, you know, role model. I don't think that people are like that 100% of the time, right? Yeah, we all have our saboteurs. And so those voices are always going to be present with us. And it's just a question of what are the things we do so that those voices are not the loudest ones in our head? Yeah. So either those saboteurs or like laziness creeps in. Now, you mentioned, obviously, this, 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 the year of 2020, big responsibility on your shoulder, right? You say family, survival mode, try not to default to those characteristics that you've write about in your book. Were there any moments that, you know, you had those creeping in and what did you do about it? Yeah, so in the book, I talk about there's, there's three dimensions to burnout. Emotional exhaustion, which is... Just, you know, it's one thing to be tired, rest for the weekend, and then come back Monday going, okay, I'm ready to go back to work. It's another thing to be in a space where you just don't know how you're going to get out of bed, right? Mm. So that's emotional exhaustion. Depersonalization is when you start to disconnect from people, disconnect from a sense of meaning and purpose. So it's basically just disconnect. And the last is a growing sense of ineffectiveness. 
this sense that my actions don't matter, that my actions don't get results. And as those three come together, you're in true burnout. So there's a difference between burnout and worn out. If it's just emotional exhaustion, let's call that being worn out. And there's some mm -hmm. things you can do about that. But when we add the disconnect, the depersonalization and the sense of ineffectiveness, okay, that's true burnout. And we've got to take action fast and intentional action to make sure we're able to move those, those dials or needles in a healthier direction. Mm -hmm. So, so yeah, I mean, I realized is the, you know, as things were changing, situation was changing. And I realized as I was kind of launching out on my own, the confidence that I had previously felt about what I was doing was slipping away. Right. The, the energy, the, the desire to get up and out of bed was slipping away. And, and so, yeah, I could tell, oh man, I'm, I'm starting to get depressed here. I've got to do something. And I think a lot of that was because of a constant state. I'm, I'm making a fist here. It's almost like my brain was just getting squeezed by the pressure. And, and so I'm in this constant state of fight or flight. That's well, a good the longer analogy. you're in that space, it's got real physical and psychological ramifications. And that's why, you know, I appreciate guys like you that are in the fitness industry. One of the things that I do just for self-care is twice a week I do Tai Chi, twice a week I mountain bike, once a week I go hiking. And those disciplines help me work off some of that cortisol, help me get out of my head, because I'm kind of an egghead, I like to think about stuff, but they get me out of my head, reconnected to the physical world, world to the natural world, to build a, you know, feel those bike handlebars, you know, yeah, sometimes to uh, feel my knee hitting the trail as, as I wipe out or something. All that stuff helps wake me up out of out of a mental space that can easily get hijacked if i'm not careful 100 100 percent. so fitness absolutely agree with you that is one of the best methods to to get yourself back in tune with your body back yourself get yourself in check physically and mentally any other strategies that you've you've tr incorporated to get yourself back on track when when those you know when those tough times started creeping yeah. So in the book, I talk about the idea of small experiments. And so I'm a huge proponent of using small experiments, meaning let's try some new way of doing something for a short amount of time. We're not going to risk a whole lot on this, see what results we get, and then we'll iterate again. So I d did a lot of small experiments about trying to find ways to help myself get back in that optimum healthy space. So, you know, reading Tess Vigilant's book, again, working with a coach and, and thinking about, okay, what are some things I can do to help me get the vision back for the business that I want to build rather than being distracted by all the noise around me. And the pressure. Um, what's that? And the pressure. Yeah, exactly. That, again, you might think when external pressures exceed the internal resources, Collapse is inevitable. And so there are a lot of disciplines about building those internal resources. You know, for me, I recently read a book called uh, Sacred Pace. I, I come from, again, from originally trained for ministry. I come from a spiritual tradition. I come from, out of a Christian tradition. And so thinking through what it means to trust that there, there, there is a, a God, I'm not the center of the universe, to be intentional. I'm still doing my due diligence, even though I'm not the center of the universe. I'm paying attention to circumstances around me, and I'm going to trust that there is, in, 
there's information in the circumstance around me. It's not necessarily just a threat. Just because that circumstance doesn't go my way doesn't mean it's a threat. It may be an opportunity. There may be a gift here. What's the gift? What's the opportunity? You know, what are the trends that I'm seeing in these circumstances rather than, oh no, this is bad for my business. Oh no, this is a threat to me. And then finally, what you talked about earlier, ego, getting ego out of the way so that fear, pride, jealousy, envy, you know, that's, those things aren't what's motivating me, right? That scarcity mindset. So that that's not what's motivating me on these decisions. And then what I find is as I work that, try to work that as a daily process, it's amazing bit. It's like my head gets clear, my heart feels full, my gut is at peace. And then I know I'm in the right space to do the work I need to do. That's great. So in a way, this is a this is like an exercise how you self motivate yourself, regain that positivity. Like I say, focusing on the positive. Look at the challenge. I really like the 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 idea of looking at the the obstacles, the challenges as something that is an opportunity rather than something that is um, of a neg like of a negative uh, state. So always looking yeah. at these things. Yes, there is a roadblock on the road, but hey, if I can you know, remove it, what would that do? What would that do for me? Instead of there is a roadblock, oh shit, now I'm stuck. <laughs> That's right, what are we gonna do? <laughs> well, even this car thing, right? I mean, to, to go, oh man, I'm gonna have two kids in college. Oh, you know, I could just be going moaning and groaning and, and we're gonna be broke or we're gonna take out all these loans. And I went, nope, what's the opportunity here? <gasps> this is an opportunity to drive an economy car. That'll be fun. How can I make this something to get excited about? Absolutely. You guys are a bit tough in the US. The colleges are quite expensive. And I've heard that kids then they go into like a like a debt that you have to repay oh, over your lifetime or like whatever you would easily repay. Easily. The, yeah, the college debt now is easily, well, the average college debt now is easily more than what you might pay for a house. And, and you think about that, just, just, just coming out, right? Just getting started in life to have that kind of debt. So yeah, we're real big with, as a family with our kids, to avoid debt as much as possible. You know, live within your means. And so we've been fortunate. Our, our oldest has, has done well. She's got a really good tuition scholarship that helps her, and she's doing some work and some things. And since the time she was born, we were setting aside small amounts of money. So we had, you know, 19 years of investments that we kept building up, even in just little amounts. But yeah. after 19 years, right, that that becomes something. Absolutely. Um, and so that is, that has helped us. But yeah, I, I can't imagine what it would be like if you just, you had no resources and just tried to go to college on loans. Mm, that's tough. Yeah. So Stan, so we, we covered a fair bit about leadership on the final note. What are some, what are the common uh, ways that leaders self-sabotage? I know we've, we've touched on that a little bit, but just to, just to reiterate that message for somebody listening out there, I think it's really important to be aware of this. The most common mistake I see is a belief that leadership is about simply getting stuff done, getting product out the door in a company, winning the game if you're an athlete, whatever that is. And so I would call that the technical work of just getting stuff done. The reason that's a mistake is, yeah, at first, when you're really good at just getting stuff done, you get rewarded for it. Often you get promoted for it. But the higher up you go in the company or the more responsible you become as a team captain, the more important those relationship skills and those thinking skills become. 
if you're if you're one just one player on the team and you get a little discouraged because you're behind in the game, it just affects you. If you're the team captain and you get discouraged because you're behind in the game and you start you know slumping and some things like that, right? That can affect the whole team. In a similar way, if you are let's say a manager, you're a young manager, and previously your career was based on the success of you just getting things done. Well, you're no longer just responsible for you. And you may be the top salesman in your organization. Good on you, right? Good for you. The problem is you're now responsible for the three or four people that are part of your sales team and those numbers. And your job is no longer to be the best at what you do. It's to help others be the best at what they do. And in fact, the further up you go in the organization, the less you want to be the best at what you do. I do some consulting for a, a car dealership, a set of car dealerships here in town. And I joke with them that, look, if your general manager is the best salesperson you have, you're in trouble because there's only one of him. That's a great summation of this and brings an interesting question. Is leadership for everybody? Yeah, I love that question. I think leadership opportunities are for everybody. I think anyone who wants to, again, to be intentional, who wants to influence the world around them, leadership's for you. If you only want to withdraw to protect yourself and in a sense to just kind of live in your own cave. And there are some personality types that are happy being hermits. That's cool. I'm not, I'm not dogging being hermits. If that's all you want. Yeah. Then you don't necessarily need to do leadership. And we could talk about self leadership, but that's a little different than, than how we've been framing it here. We're really talking about how you relate to other people yeah. to get things done. So what are some industries that you see this being a difficult when it comes to, I want to say, succession planning or, you know, growth, a career growth? I yeah. could think of maybe an IT because a lot of IT guys mm. that I've heard of and, and not just what I think of, but what I've heard of, a lot of IT guys are kind of a bit more of that hermit personality. They're a bit more introverted. They're into, you know, left brainer type of thing. And so if, if they're being asked to, to step up and lead the team, it might not always work, right? Yeah, and that's why self-awareness is so important for leaders. I'm actually introverted. And so the funny thing is, is like, I like people. They just make me tired, right? <laughs> and so because I know that about myself and because we talked about emotional exhaustion as a threat for burnout and a threat to you as an individual, a threat to you as a leader, a threat to you as, as a family person, because I know that if I spend too much time with people, I will get emotionally exhausted. I go, okay. I'm going to plan my day in such a way that I do have regular places for self-reflection and study, regular places to be alone and to be strategic so that then I can go out and reconnect. I don't withdraw and stay there. I withdraw for a time, I re-energize, and I go back out. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, part of this is, let's say it's an IT person who's really introverted and prefers just working alone part of the coaching or the uh, professional development for that person is going to be to learn how to go into this rhythm of exerting themselves. Let's go to exercise. You exert yourself and then you rest. You exert yourself and then you rest. Okay. You're going to exert yourself with all this people time and relationship time. And then you're going to go back and rest. If you just stay in exertion, again, collapse is inevitable. 
even if you've got the strong, strongest bicep in the world, man, and you just keep that thing flexed all day long, eventually what's going to happen? So much of, what is it, lactic acid, right? So much of that stuff's going to build up that this thing's going to fail. Yep. Yep. So, so what I'd like to say here is a uh, motivational quote that I've seen at one of the gyms that I used to work. And that says, work with your strengths and work on your weaknesses. So if we look at the scale, you've got, we're talking about left brainers here. We're talking about, oh, no, let's talk about, let's talk about introverts versus extroverts. The attributes that you need as a leader, right? You need those social skills. You need to be, be able to be comfortable being around people for at least a certain extent of time. Be able to communicate properly. That is very important because if you're a technician, sometimes you don't know how to convey that message. Typical example, again, talking to an IT guy for an advice and they start talking about all that jargon. Anyway, that aside. So you need to have those social skills, soft skills, soft skills, right? So if you're an introvert versus an extrovert, where do you, those two recharge on, on uh, a different way, right? If you're an introvert, you recharge by going back in your shell, self-reflect, you know, get outside, get away from people, have that me time, right? If you're an extrovert, you recharge by being around others. So maybe this is the this is how it goes. If you're if you've been put in that leadership position, soft skills, social skills is not your strong thing. Make sure that you recharge by, like you said, scheduling those times for yourself so you can do those. Even though it's not your strong skill uh, thing, you can do it, right? If you train for it. Whereas if you're an extrovert, then that's a lot easier. But again, you need to be able to do some groundwork too. So, so that might be an area that sort of tires you out. So then you go back to people. Yeah. In fact, let me build on that quote. Mm-hmm. That's a good quote about strengths and weaknesses. I like to think in terms of strengths, weaknesses, and liabilities. Mm. And so let me distinguish those. Strengths, yeah, the things that naturally energize you, that you enjoy, you do well, you can depend on them. And yeah, under pressure, you'll always perform in that space. The difference between a weakness and a liability is a liability is the weakness that actually hurts you. So being an introvert is not necessarily a liability. Being unable to connect with people as a leader, that's a liability. Mm-hmm. The weakness is the stuff that's just less than ideal. And you learn how to make peace with that so you don't burn a lot of energy managing something that, yeah, it's, it's less than ideal. But you know what? It's not really a liability. It's not going to keep you from accomplishing the goal. It's just less than ideal. I mean, look, look at my body type, right? So I, I'm just not a weightlifter, dude. I, I ran track in high school. I would lift weights, lift weights, lift weights, and I just kept getting skinnier, okay? I don't know what that was about right? I mean, you probably do, but, but it was just weird. It's like, why am I just getting thinner and thinner? I just, I keep exercising all the time. So that is in a sense, a, a, a weakness. It's less than ideal, but I found a sport where I didn't have to put on a lot of mass running track, mm-hmm. right? In, in the same way, I'm not naturally a math guy, right? If I were to put the same amount of time into trying to write a book and trying to learn trigonometry, I would get the book done. I'm more on words guy. So that's yeah. my strength. This is math is not a liability as long as at the end of the month, I can look at my bank and understand that well enough to know I've got more money in the bank than I got expenses going out. When I'm no longer able to do that kind of math, it's a liability and I got some learning to do. So to wrap it up, all in all, 
we all have strengths, we all have weaknesses. If you're a leader, you're not going to be great at everything. What you should strive is to to put people in positions for them to do those things in the team, be better even than you. And so it really just comes down to being that person who leads by example, who is humble, shows that um, they do make mistakes as well, because that's the that's the aspect that we like to see in leaders, that they're not all perfect, because it just makes us all feel a bit more down to earth, like humans, we all make mistakes. Well, yeah. I love the fact that you brought up humility. I think it's hard for really driven people to be humble. Because if you're really driven, you're all about accomplishment. Mm. And that's the language you speak. That's the way you think. And so you want to naturally talk about your accomplishments. And so what does it look like to be humble when you're really driven for success? I think there's a whole conversation there as well. What I like is, you know, when bring it back to, you know, like say when I'm managing, I manage one of the gyms here in Canberra. Yeah. If, if, if we have a meeting and, you know, if I know that there are some people in the team or even in the past, another gym that as a general consensus, if there's people in my team that are not great at certain things, but they're not really, you know, they kind of feel like they're kind of hiding it because they're worried. If I can talk about my own mistakes and say, hey, guys, I'm sorry, you know, let's talk about this is the agenda. Let's have a meeting. This is the agenda. Boom, boom, boom. This is what we're going to do. This is what we've done. Hey, by the way, this thing here, see that? That's my, that's my, you know, stuff. I'm sorry about that, guys. You know, this is what, what happened, you know, and I just explained myself so that I sound like a human, you know, maybe whatever, whatever circumstance it was for, you know, for the reasoning of why I didn't do it. Well, point being, they hear it and it makes them realize, oh, hang on a minute. This is not perfect. It's okay to stuff up. It's okay. These things for these things to happen. It might make, it just might make those people to think about themselves a bit more and be a bit more comfortable about letting go of that guard that's the hard thing. If you've got people in the team, they're all guarding and doesn't really induce an open communication and, and progress. Yeah, what I love about that is it feels like by you being vulnerable, being human, mistakes hopefully become less threatening. And if something's less threatening, it's not going to put us into fight or flight in the same way. Mm. Right? So you're helping folks out by helping them see mistakes aren't necessarily a threat because when you're in fight or flight, you can't use the creative part of your brain. That's right. So you're not going to find options to, to make, make things better. Not only uh, are you not able to create those or tap into that creativity, but also when, when that external pressure talk about talking about stress, there's actually scientifically proven that your IQ goes down as well. Oh, wow. Sure. Well, we, we do know that your ability to make good decisions after prolonged stress goes down. If, and uh, the research, they looked at uh, math problems, essentially, mm. and found that people's, and I can't forget the, I, I forgot the exact percentage, but yeah, people's ability to correctly work math problems noticeably significantly dropped after prolonged stress. 100%. I mean, that's very, that's very energy consuming, especially like math problems. I've heard Joe Rogan was talking about it somewhere. I heard it recently about chess masters, you know, people who play chess on a professional level. When they do these tournaments that last, you know, half a day, 
apparently they burn like uh, incredible amount of calories. Oh, it's, fascinating. It's in thousands of calories because yeah. they're thinking so much. They're calculating every, you know, 10 steps ahead. So if you're stressed, imagine what that does, right? Yeah. So I'd be curious to almost flip the mic a minute and say, okay, so you've talked about role modeling and things like that. Who's been a role model for you? Who's, you know, I love it. It's success inspired podcast. So, okay. Who inspired you? You got me there. I'm inspired by many people. I'm inspired by seeing success, but especially what I'm inspired by is people with positive mindset, people mm-hmm. who are successful, mm-hmm. but also have that positive outlook on life. You know, people like, motivational speakers when i go to events like that adam markel is 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 one great motivational speaker who actually inspired me back in 2015 to take a massive leap in my business and and think a bit more you know in terms of confidence about myself what i can accomplish and that led to you know my business growing really really fast that year so people yeah people who have positive outlook and always look at solving problems looking at problems as as opportunities because when i'm surrounded around those people it it just it's it's infectious it's addictive it makes me feel more i mean i'm generally i would say i'm positive person for the most time so i I do quite all right on my own but but yeah i i do strive to be around people like that look up to people like that yeah and i love that because it reminds me there are some people in my life that just make me want to be a better person those are leaders. Yeah, that's it. All right. So we've covered tons of stuff about leadership. You mentioned you wrote a couple of books. What was that first book called? Yeah. So the most recent one is how to beat burnout for yourself, your family, and your team. And the way I got that title is a lot of times people that work hard and they care about both people and results, leaders, they have a hard time doing this self-care stuff. And so the, the book is really about reframing that so that leaders understand this self-care is a discipline so that you can show up fully, not just for yourself, but also for your family and for those you lead so that you have the energy you need, the relationships you need, and you're able to celebrate your effectiveness in all those spaces, both at work and home. Mm-hmm. And I know we've sort of tapped into it already a couple of times, but guys, if you're listening, this is, you know, this is very important message. This is important message. You, you got to be, we only live one life. And so you have to decide whether you're going to be the one who's, always pessimistic about things, blaming environment, blaming others for the circumstances in your life. Or are you going to be the one who's you know, just going to finally kick yourself in the butt and just start looking at the problems that are happening to you um, as things that you are personally responsible for and that's where you start making decisions to overcome those. Because we got to leave it. We got to leave a dent in the, in, in the universe. We got to leave some memory here when we're out, when we're gone. So... And this is what we've talked about today. Stanley, it's been, it's been a pleasure to have you on the podcast. I, there's so much more that we could talk about. But one question I wanted to ask you, because we talk about a lot about leadership, you know a lot about that. But tell me, is there something that's true that almost nobody agrees with you on? Well, I, you know, it is funny when I coach folks about giving feedback. 
this idea of the feedback sandwich is, is really, really popular, right? That you build, burn, build. Yeah. That's how a lot of people see it. And I'm just like, that's terrible. And I'll tell you why. Think about the Pavlov's dog experiment, right? You, you ring the bell and then you feed the dog so that when you ring the bell, the dog salivates, right? Because the dog associates the bell with food. Yeah. Well, if the way you give feedback is you praise someone and then the next thing you do is you sucker punch them, every time you give them praise, what are they preparing themselves for? To get sucker punched. Punch. Yeah. They're prepared. They, they don't hear the build. They only focus on the burn and they look for it. And so this is actually based on some research out of the Center for Creative Leadership, but really the best feedback models are about a lot of feedback, consistent feedback, and specific feedback. And so there's a, a book called Thanks for the Feedback, and they, they actually talk about three different types of feedback. They talk about appreciation, which is basically saying, way to go, attaboy, we're proud of you, fist bump, build, build, build. There is coaching, which is to say, okay, this didn't work. And in the future, let's try this. So it's very future oriented. There is a measure of evaluation there. We're saying this didn't work, but we're talking about a way forward. Coaching is always about providing a way forward. Yeah. And then the third type is pure evaluation. Just saying that didn't work. Stop. All three are appropriate. The problem is as human beings, when someone gives us that coaching, we tend to latch on because again, the fight or flight response, we tend to latch on to the negative and we only hear it as evaluation. We miss the roadmap to success. Mm. And so for me and in my work, working with leaders on giving feedback, what I say is, okay, look, help your team understand this language and then be really specific as you give them feedback. Hey man, I'm going to give you some appreciation. Thank you for this. Thank you for this. Thank you for this. You did a great job on this. Or, Hey, I want to give you some coaching this particular piece did not work well. Here's what it needs to look like in the future. Or here's how you can do it in the future. You know, what do you need for me to help you get there? Or, okay, let's have a hard talk here. You know, once is an accident, twice is a concern, three times is a trend. This trend needs evaluation. This is not working. This has got to stop. I love it. I love it. Because, yeah, I'm in we call it a shit sandwich <laughs> uh, yeah yeah it's sometimes yeah sometimes i feel like i just want to tell them the way it is without shoot the whole sugar coating thing which is what the shit sandwich is you just trying to sugarcoat both side of that to to actually really pass on the, what's in the middle which is what's <laughs> not always but you know so I, I like the idea here the key is being transparent explaining people what you're about to do and why my wife and i have a joke that when we need to give either coaching or evaluation, here's how we start it. Mm -hmm. Because I want to spend the rest of my life with you, I need to tell you something. So we try to take the threat out of it and just say, look, this is going to hurt, but here's why. It's because I really do want to spend the rest of my life with you, but I got to tell you something. Yeah. That's cool. That's cool. So in a team environment, if you say something like, look, because we, because you're part of the team, and and you're important to us. I want to tell you something. Actually, that's pretty cool because by saying that straight away, you're saying to them, "Look, I'm not about to get you fired. I'm just trying to help you." Yeah, because I want you to have a successful career here. Mm, yeah. Because I want your coworkers to listen to you. I need to talk to you about how you communicate. 
And the reason this is important is because you will have some people in the team who, who are very sensitive about taking feedback. I've had people like that. You, you tell them, you tell them something negative, and they go straight in guard mode, and they defend, they defend, they defend. It's very hard. It's very hard to, to make change with people like that. So, so these are great strategies that might help. Yeah. Stan, how can people find you? There's, there's, we covered a lot of stuff, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna make sure I'm gonna put it in the show notes. But if they want to find you, say if they don't have time to now and go in the show notes. Yeah, so I'm going to give you three ways that we can connect. Way number one is my personal site, stanleyjward.com, S-T-A-N-L-E-Y-J-W-A-R-D.com. That's probably the most holistic because it provides a variety of my social links and things of that nature just as a person. Also has a recording of me singing a U2 cover song with my daughters while playing ukulele. So there's a little bonus there for you. <laughs> Uh, the other place would be my business site. The name of my business is Influence Coaching. And so the site name is Coaching for Influence. C-O-A-C-H-I-N-G-F-O-R-I-N-F-L-U-E-N-C-E. Nice long name. Coachingforinfluence.com. There they can find a lot of details about my coaching work, my coaching blog, lots of free stuff to give away there. And then they can go to Amazon and just search for Stanley J. Ward and see some of the different projects I've been involved in there as well. And also speaking of giveaways, we've got an offer for you guys. Stan, can you, can you unpack that offer for us? Yeah, you know, we've been talking about burnout and especially with, man, COVID-19 has just beat us all up. So here's what I'd like to do, Vit. Any of your listeners who can uh, tell me that they connected because of your show, I believe it's success inspired, right? It's our, our code word there, success inspired. If you'll use that when we connect, I'll be happy to give you a 15% discount on coaching services just for 2021, just as a way to say, hey man, we're all in this together. Let's bounce back, let's come back strong and let's inspire each other. Stan, thank you so much uh, for being on the show. I appreciate you, appreciate your time, taking the time out of your day on Friday afternoon. It's been been a pleasure having you on the show talking about this topic this is important stuff i hope you guys that listen to this show and that you've enjoyed today's episode as well make sure you give it a give it a, a review you can give it a review on the apple podcast or pod chaser all the links are in the show notes so just scroll down a little bit you'll find them there if you're listening to this and 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 uh, and you want to know more make sure that you head over to successinspiredpodcast.com because i do put a, an extra uh, effort into making show notes where you'll find timestamps so you can come back to some of the stuff that we've talked about today. You'll find Stan's links, links for his personal site. You also find links to my personal social media if you want to connect with me personally. And there is, uh, for those of you who like to read, there's going to be a huge transcript. You can read the transcript. And yeah, thank you all. Thank you all for tuning in. I appreciate you guys. Stay successful. Stay inspired. And until next time, bye. Until next time, well, just be be great, pursue greatness. <laughs> Good advice, I like it. Good target. All right, take care, mate. You bet. Take care.